bags in 100 years. The ship house, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is a Wednesday, October the 14th. Not October, April. April the 14th. I've wished away <laughs> oh, the entire no. fucking year. Wow. Uh, it is October wow. the 14th. I am basking in the glory of the Bulldogs Premiership. And it's nice to still be doing the podcast. I'm doing it by myself now. Charlie's not part of it anymore. <laughs> it is Wednesday, April the 14th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And clearly, some fella is not taking it one week at a time. He's already no, I've taken it six months at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? Jeez, the Bulldogs look so good right now. I mean, is there a part of you because you've won a flag, so you know you know that they can do it. But is there? Does any of that loser mentality come into play with this? Is there any kind of fear of how do we stuff this up? Oh, not fear of how we stuff it up. I can see how we stuff it up. In fact, I don't think that we're premiership favourites by any means. So I think that's a good mm. place for the Bulldogs to be. But I must admit, during the week, I did have a moment when they were discussing that they're thinking about changing the buy at the start of the finals to a buy before the grand final so that mm. both teams will be good for the grand final and they haven't, you know, don't have a disadvantage of one of the teams not playing for ages. And I, I was like, oh, I wonder if they could change that this year. That might really help us this year. <laughs> and I was like, oh, stop it. Fucking stop it. There is a lot that can go wrong. We are four rounds in, but the fact that the Bulldogs obviously haven't been on top of the ladder for a very long time is, is very exciting to Bulldogs fans to the point where... I was getting a package delivered to this house a couple of days ago and the postman who was delivering it was like, oh, Will, you're a Bulldogs fan. And then we just made idle chit-chat about how excited we were about the Bulldogs this season for about 10 minutes while he was meant to be doing his other deliveries. I get it, man. I get it. After the uh, the Saints victory on the weekend, I was so pumped that like anyone who vaguely mentioned football to me got a 10-minute rant about the comeback. Like that game, I was out to dinner with friends and uh, I, I was watching on my phone sort of surreptitiously under the table and it got to the three, uh, got to the third quarter and my phone ran out of battery, like perfect timing. As it got to 33 points down, my phone just ran out of juice. So I was like, oh, well, probably a good time for my phone not to work before I throw the bloody thing across the restaurant. <laughs> and then about 20 minutes later, um, our mate VK was like, hey, Clauso, have you checked the score? I'm like, why? He's like, it's, uh, you're only 10 points down. And I... Because I was not watching the game. Like people in retrospective said, oh, the Saints were in it. Like the Eagles were very efficient, but the Saints, you could see they had more entries and stuff. It was just a matter of time. But because I was watching in, you know, fits and spurts, I, I hadn't picked up on that. So I commandeered Vaughn's phone. <laughs> like there was kids there, there was wives to attend to. I didn't give a shit. No one was stopping me from watching this last quarter. I set up his phone on the dinner table as, rest, as the waiters bringing food over and stuff. And I was yelling my head off to the point where um, this uh, lady that Gemma had met that night, uh, you know, turns out uh, our kids are going to the same daycare and she lives in the area. Gemma brought her over to introduce her to her husband, to me. And I was like, lady, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you saved my kid's life. You are not distracting me from watching this last quarter. I was beside myself. It is the most excited I've ever been about a game. And like, I can't tell you how long it's, it's, it's the, Considering where we came from, it made me think about St. Kilda almost like, you know, we often use the, the metaphor of a football team being like a toxic relationship. 
This is a perfect example of how these relationships work. Last week, they stole my car. They drained my bank account. Like they made out with my best friend, but they've turned up on my doorstep with a puppy. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, they know me so well. Yeah, well, knowing you, it's the neighbor's puppy. It's not even your puppy. It's just your neighbor's dog that they've stolen. If you listen to our other podcast, you'll understand that reference more. But here's what I would say. I thought St Kilda, I was going to mes- message you because I was on my way into my mm. show and I was I was watching the St Kilda game and uh, I didn't know whether you would be watching it or not. So I was going to message you and all I was going to message was, are you watching this? But then I realized that if you send somebody are you watching this? Then there's no way that if they're not watching it, that their curiosity isn't peaked enough to go, I've got to watch this. And at this stage, this was when St Kilda were making that comeback from being about 30 points down. So it turns out I could have messaged you anyway because your phone was dead and you wouldn't have got the message. But I've gone into my show. There's no internet in where I am at the show. So I haven't seen the result until I came out of the show and saw that St Kilda had come home way over the top. And I was like, you could feel it. You could actually, Mm. just listening to the game, feeling them come back. I was like, here comes St Kilda. They've got this. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like it's taken us three games to find that form we had last year. It's almost like we had to go to the bottom of the barrel because it is a mindset thing, clearly, because it's not like we had a bunch of personnel come back into the side. Rowan Marshall makes a huge difference, but I think it's it was just about, guys, if you don't bring like 100% focus and effort, this is what a team can do to you. And I must admit, I said last week, I hope that Essendon thrush the Swans so I don't feel so bad about last week. Seeing how close the Bombers pushed the Swans actually made me feel better about that loss knowing that the week before that we'd been beaten by Melbourne, I'm like, you know what? We kind of we kind of lost to two teams that aren't that bad. I think in, in retrospect, and this is the other thing. Well, the, I, every year I say this, but I'm going to say it again. No one knows fucking anything. No one knows anything. Experts are paid to have opinions. We're not even paid to have opinions. We just have them for free. <laughs> and no one knows anything. Like last week, you would have sworn the Saints weren't going to win another game for the year. In fact, I think Wayne Carey came out and said that. And then this week they look like they're going to finish like in play finals for sure. It's no one knows anything. No one knows anything. And most people get paid more than us to not know anything. We not know anything as a charity. <laughs> this is basically, we should be able to claim this podcast on our tax returns for people just willing to go out there and know nothing. But you know the difference between us and people who get paid to know nothing? We don't pretend that we actually know shit. Whereas yep. they are in the business of pretending that they know shit. I, the person I feel most sorry for this year and the, in the range of AFL experts in this season that has started so amazingly in so many different ways is Michael Warner. I mean, this is a man who traditionally wants to hate everything about AFL and AFL football. And even he, I've heard this unusual feeling of optimism even creep into Michael Warner's voice. And it does not sound right. He doesn't (laughs) feel comfortable being optimistic about the game. He's looking for problems to emerge and he just can't find them. He's the Eeyore of Aussie rules like everything is a downer I mean do you think well he there are some things you can latch on to if you want a downer I mean Collingwood that seems to be the focus like they are under the blowtorch which as we know um, I feel like the rest of the footy uh, public are catching up to what we've always said which is like you know the backs against the wall because that is the that is the discussion going around now is that okay Collingwood had a shocking four weeks now they're traveling over to Perth to take on the Eagles last year when they're in the same circumstances famous backs against the wall victory. Do you think that because everyone knows about it now, 
it kind of takes away the power of backs against the wall because everyone's talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Because what prior to that, the odds are stacked against you because no one gives you the chance. But now everyone's saying, oh, this is a backs against the wall setup that Collingwood normally wins. So that takes away a bit of your backs against the wall advantage. Right. People plan against backs against the wall. In fact, what they really try to do is go, guys, at some stage their backs may be against the wall. This is what we'll do in that scenario. Yeah. So Adam Simpson, just like he puts uh, Tim Kelly on the sidelines, JJK, take a break. He just engineers a bunch of things during the week to make to make it look like well the eagles have also got the backs against the wall which negates uh collingwood having the backs against the wall maybe that's what the St Kilda loss was about maybe adam simpson looked at the the long game has gone out at three-quarter time and gone guys we cannot win this there is no (laughs) way that we can beat collingwood at this stage if their backs are so far against the wall and ours are so far from the wall we've got to get our backs closer to the wall what did you think of the um did you see the sydney bombers game I did see the Sydney Bombers game. Very exciting and could not have been scripted better to have Buddy come in and kick the winning goal. Like to me, I, it almost made me believe in conspiracies. I'm like, this is perfectly set up for Buddy to step in here and do what Buddy does. And he did exactly that. I'm like, well, you've just sold a bunch more memberships to Sydney and reestablished the Swans as a New South Wales team. I, I figure that maybe there's a work going on. Maybe the Bombers were paid to give that game away. You know what I love about this conspiracy theory? It relies on the idea that it was the perfect one time they gave it to Buddy as opposed to the fact that the Buddy, <laughs> le- Buddy led for the ball to try to do that six times before and they didn't manage to get it to him. He beat three players, though. Like, you would have thought in that those circumstances, if you were a Bombers defender, you'd be acutely aware that they're going to Buddy in this situation. Who's the match winner? Who are they going to look for? But he beat, outmarked three opponents. And Buddy, like, you know, he's, he's lost a yard or two. He doesn't have that leap anymore. I know he's still as tall as he's always been. But you just would have thought that there would be more body contact against him in that last marking contest. I don't know. I look... I think the Swans are a good team, but I also feel that maybe there's a conspiracy happening. Look at this. I didn't realize you'd gone full QAnon when it comes to the Sydney Swans. You're one of those people who's like, it's the bloody academy, isn't it? It's that bloody academy that they have. It's all, it's actually, it's the AFL wants Sydney to win. They need to have a successful team in that territory. What's their sponsor? Isn't their sponsor like QEAN or something like that? It's QEAN Anon. Oh, okay. QEAN Anon. Just have to add in a couple of extra letters and it's all there right in front of your face. QBA Anon. Um, (laughs) I was uh, devouring as much uh, uh, press um, in the last few days about the Saints victory and I came across a a website I haven't been to before. It's a Saints-centric website called The Animal Enclosure. So it's all Saints fans just blogging about games and stuff. And this one article took my fancy um, because they really, uh, they share a common sentiment that we have about cane corn. So um, this article is uh, called Monday's Expert. So what this, this columnist or this blogger does is he rounds up all the talk shows on a Monday and, you know, just sort of says, what, when the Saints are mentioned, he sums it up. So right. uh, his name's Bozza, which I think is perfect for a guy in the animal enclosure, even a virtual animal enclosure. Uh, he says, the Saints' meritorious victory over West Coast in round four brought the level of praise you'd expect on the Monday night panel shows. That is to say, on the couch, an AFL 360 were full of praise. But Kane Corns on Footy Classified found a way to be contrary instead. Well, of course he did. He's a contrarian. He, he, he just said, how can I twerp this up? So he goes through all the, uh, the positive things that are said about the Saints on 360 and on the couch. And then, uh, so it feel, uh, finishes with Jared Waitley saying, they're two and two and I'm back on them at Marvel, Waitley declared. 
Kane Corns, on the other hand, was determined to find the negative side of the story. Mm -hmm. um, I'll do the Kane Corns voice from uh, the Cump Fiction. While we're complimentary of what they did and what they produced, he told Footy Classified before adding a kicker, but it's almost an indictment on the football club when in, when in a week you can turn it around like they did. <laughs> he was also upset at Geelong's Josh Jenkins, who had taken a pot shot at those in the media who had written the Saints' eulogy after the Essendon lost. So Josh Jenkins sent out a tweet after the Saints win, saying, how many come out this week and say, maybe the Saints aren't gone, maybe I went too early. And then he wrote, hashtag any, hashtag many, hashtag if any. <laughs> so it makes me think that Josh Jenkins has been listening to a lot of scribe lately. He's a massive scribe fan. That's the one thing about <laughs> Josh Jenkins in his pocket profile. Favourite artist, without a doubt, New Zealand's own scribe. <laughs> Uh, so he, uh, uh, Kane Twerpcorns, he was upset at Geelong's Josh Jenkins who had taken a pot shot at those in the media who had written the Saints eulogy after the Essendon loss. Obviously they're going to say, obviously we are going to say that, Corns responded. For them to turn it around in the space of a week, I think is an indictment. Why they don't bring that pressure and why don't they bring that pressure and intensity every week? Bristling at claims he was taking Jenkins' tweet personally, he doubled down. Why would a rival player chip in like that? He asked. So he's fucking just firing off at all angles. Kane twerp corns. Now this Josh Jenkins is what I in the love bloody crosshairs. Corns, is he like he's angry that they're not winning? Then when they win, he's angry that they're inconsistent because they don't lose all the time. Then he's angry that other players try to keep people accountable in the media in the way that the media try to keep players accountable. Literally the thing that Kane Twerp Corns does for a living, which is a level of being a contrarian and keeping people accountable. He resents that in other people. Bristling at claims he was taking Jenkins' tweet personally, he doubled down. <laughs> Why would a rival player chip in with that? He asked. I wasn't actually critical of St Kilda. I think the coach was the most critical out of anyone, he said, oblivious to the fact it made it clear he had taken it personally. <laughs> right, absolutely. I'm not taking it personally, he said, as he took it really personally. <laughs> Why would they deliver 32 tackles one week and then they can turn it around and lay 25 and a quarter? How can your effort fluctuate so significantly in the space of one week? Sam McClure said, well, I think that uh, was directed at, uh, Josh Jenkins' tweet was directed at Wayne Carey, who I think on Triple M said that if they lose, they are gone. Uh, in fact, Kerry had gone much further than that. Uh, and this is what Wayne Kerry said. Joey, St Kilda are cooked. The Saints are done. Kerry told Lee Montagna on Triple M's footy, uh, footy, Triple M footy's midweek rub. And I tell you why they are done. Just have a look at the next three weeks. They've got the three best teams in the competition over the next three weeks. There's no way they're winning any of those. <laughs> I mean, look, I know like Wayne's come in for a lot of criticism, but I, I kind of admire the balls of that comment. Like just coming out and in this world in which we've established no one fucking knows anything, Wayne Carey decides to fucking put his stake in the ground. And look, it, it wasn't even that controversial of an opinion. Like St Kilda did have this incredibly difficult run for the next three weeks, so the idea that they could have lost those three games was certainly not off the table. Yeah, and so clearly Corns, perhaps unaware that Carey's commentary was more outlandish than a simple criticism of poor, poor performance, was undeterred. So he has not conceded, even when Sam McClure pointed out that the comment was probably directed to Wayne Carey, not you. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Fucking the twerp is firing up. Kane Corns puts the turd in undeterred. <laughs> Rightly so, he hit back at McClure. <laughs> Like he's even taken on his co-hosts. Rightly so. I think the criticism had to be there once your coach calls you embarrassing. Yeah. But that's okay, responded McClure. You're allowed your opinion and Josh is allowed to say his. 
Oh, it made me so happy. I mean, it, it gets to the point where it's parody, right? Like he's definitely, this is just like a show for, for quotes, pull quotes and headlines. Well, that's his job. He's realized what his appeal is and his appeal is like, you know, clickbait. He's a human clickbait king of coins. Yeah, but it's the it's the contrarian. It's like he will, he is the Simon Cow of Aussie footy commentary. He's the Joe Hildebrand of Australian football commentary. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I don't I, I I I like Kane Corns a lot more than I like Joe Hildebrand. I'm much more comfortable calling him the Simon Cowell. I don't want to tank Kane. Not not even Kane Twerk Corns deserves to be compared to Joe Hildebrand. I mean, that's that's too far, Will. You've crossed the line. I'm sorry. I can't go with you on that one. Um, I love the idea of getting, like, I understand, I guess, the general point he's making, which is that, yes, it's good to celebrate the fact that St Kilda made this, like, comeback, but you've also got to acknowledge that it clearly demonstrates that it is not about the personnel that's out there. It demonstrates that the most important part of a footballer, Charlie, is the uh, bit between, between the two ears. ears. That's, that's the most yep. important bit. The nose. It's the nose. <laughs> it's the nose. That's and the eyes. Yeah, and the cheeks. <laughs> cheeks. Definitely I don't cheeks. Know. This metaphor is very confusing. <laughs> the back of your head if you go the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a fairly familiar um, uh, uh, refrain on all the shows. Was about, yeah, it's between the ears. But I think when I uh, watched that, that Brett Ratton press conference after, I was actually quite reassured after that Essendon loss because I think he's, I mean, Brett Ratton knows what he's doing, but he also said that structurally they had got things wrong. And then by the time they, certainly the effort wasn't there, but structurally they just didn't have their setups right. And once you're six goals down and you're trying to change things on the fly and then momentum works against you, and especially in an upset game, you know, might as well just give it up. And in fact, in future, if this happens again, I want the Saints to just walk off the ground. <laughs> like yep. guys, we haven't turned up today. We're not going to fight this out. Let's just walk off the ground. Well, you you want a coach that describes things, who, who calls things as they are. And Brett mm. Ratton went out there and said, we're all embarrassed about it last week. And then this week, what, how did you describe the Saints game this week? Uh, it was uh, the complete opposite. He said it was uh, pleasing and he was <laughs> pleased by how pleasing it was. It was. They were not pleased with how they went last week. So their attitude this week yes. was much more pleasing, which... Once again, speaks to the talking points that the uh, Saints media manager hands out to every coach at well, St Kilda. Though, but I was going to ask, because you sent me the little clip of him describing the game as pleasing, and I was thinking you might be having some flashbacks to the bad old days where poor performances were described as being pleasing. Is this a new era at St Kilda where embarrassing performances are going to be described as being embarrassing and only pleasing performances are going to be described as being pleasing? Is this a reclaiming at St Kilda of the term pleasing for its actual meaning. I think so. I think that's what, what what's happening is uh, that we had one coach who used it as a kind of muted compliment, but now we have a coach who's using it correctly. Yeah, <laughs> when things are actually happening. pleasing. Your old coach yeah. used to go, well, these things were pleasing. And you were like, we don't feel very pleased. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Well, how about, so Alan Richardson that you're talking about is now at the Demons. And uh, you've got uh, uh, Don Pike who's gone mm -hmm. from Adelaide to the Swans. Both those teams are flying now. What do you think about this idea of taking an experienced coach, senior coach, and installing them as an, uh, uh, Mark Williams at, um, where's he now? Uh, is it, no, where's he? 
Mark Winters, or maybe he's at Melbourne. Yeah, I reckon Mark yeah, Winters right. might be at Melbourne. Yeah, so Mark Winters at Melbourne. So what do you think about this idea of like a senior coach coming in as assistant? Don't you think if you were the senior coach, like Bevo, and suddenly they say, hey, Ross Lyon, we're going to bring Ross Lyon in to, uh, 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 to be an assistant coach, director of football or something like that. Do you think that is all a positive motivation or is there an element of, hey, buddy, <laughs> like keep walking in a straight line? Because if you don't, We've got this dude in the wings. I don't know. I feel like with your Dom Pikes and people like that, because they almost had like a, and even with Heath Shaw and the role that he's got, because they kind of had failed senior coaching roles, it doesn't Reece, have the same Reece. pressure as being like a, like a Ross Lyon sitting there who's potentially just going to take over for him as coach. I feel like you're adding more coaches, but without the pressure of, it's not like John Longmire's looking over his shoulder and thinking that Dom Pikes going to come and take his job, right? So yeah, I guess it depends on who the senior coach is and who the assistant is. So like, I think is there a suggestion Clark, that if we want to turn Geelong around, this is how Brad Scott comes back to coaching. Uh, Brad yeah. Scott comes back as Chris Scott's assistant. That's amazing because they don't have to change any of like every year when they take the photos, they don't have to worry about changing any of. It's like it's the same ones. Like just double up. They save at least one photo a year. That they don't have to put on the website. I mean, just for the fights he's going to have at quarter time alone. Can you imagine yeah. if it wasn't just Chris Scott walking out there? It was Chris Scott and Brad Scott walking out there? <laughs> I think it depends on the, who the coach is, doesn't it? So, like, I think if, if, you know, Bevo had Ross Lyon underneath him, you'd be a little bit jumpy. Mm. I think Clarko is definitely jumpy. I mean, you've got Iago, as we've spoken about before. You've got Sam Mitchell just like waiting in the wings. Yeah. And look, even when... <laughs> Sam when, Littlefinger, Littlefinger Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. And even when um, Brett Ratton was at St Kilda, when Alan Richardson was senior coach, that was definitely what was happening there is, uh, you know, Rats gets brought in as an assistant, but the unspoken suggestion is that you better, if you stuff up, then we've got a guy who's going to replace you. Yeah, interesting. Because I, I think Bevo would be fine with an assistant, but I just can't imagine that Bevo would need a football assistant. I can't see him really needing that. I reckon he's much more likely to just bring in, like, Tony Hawk to teach him how to do some kickflip bollies or something. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, Bevo's like, I've got a new senior assistant. His name is Steve Caballero. Yeah, I've brought in, uh, I've put in two senior assistants. It's the Hilltop Hoods. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to... They're our Friday night footy in your hoodie specialists. <laughs> We've got a Friday night match coming up. We want to make sure we're across everything, so we're brought in the Hilltop Woods. <laughs> Who are both Port Adelaide supporters, I found out, in uh, while putting together my club and I was looking for a Port Adelaide supporter. Apparently the Hilltop Woods are a big port, which makes kind of sense, right, when you think about you know the history of Port. Um, don't they look good as well? Your favourite team, your second favourite team, Port Adelaide. Beat the reigning premiers in, in a finals-like atmosphere. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad that I did not jump off Port Adelaide. You know, you asked me last week whether that I, I, you felt like I was the number one believer in Port Adelaide. I still believe in them. I did say, though, that their kids are the thing that I believe in the most. And the kids were great in this mm. game, but also all ended up injured at the end of the game. So it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks to just see how they manage to play through the injuries that they have, I think. One thing I, I forgot to touch on was um, last week we were talking about Dan Butler getting his hair cut mm -hmm. and you were speculating whether or not, you know, he had taken the onus to do it or if Brett Ratton had told him to get his hair cut. Just listen to this clip and, and, and let me see if, you, if you've worked out what the answer is. 
butts to get his reward and he's still working on some things in his game but um, yeah yeah he's um I think it's a new haircut that helped him <laughs> I reckon that was Brett Ratton saying I told him to get his haircut. I mean, why I would you him, bring it up at the press get conference? Get his haircut and get a real job. And that real job was actually playing like a fucking champion <laughs> forward again. I mean, it was amazing. Like the difference. He, in that third quarter, he actually set us alight. And we made jokes about last week that, oh, how old school is that? Like, look like a footballer. But I think maybe it does suggest that you're sort of like, you're less encumbered by all the outside kind of stuff and you're actually focusing on the football again. Exactly. I'd like to see every footballer who's going through a form slump have an image change like yeah. i don't mind if it's even in reverse like if you are by nature a boring looking player and you're going through a form slump then do something drastic shave off all your hair yeah. get a mohawk going on dye it a ridiculous color but just do something let's just fix the superficial things before the actual things well okay but that that works in some instances but then like there's a bulldog player tim english who is in desperate need of a cool makeover. Like, watching that game in Ballarat, he seemed perfectly suited for that, like, VFL sort of arena. Like, he looks so old school and so old-fashioned, but absolutely dominated. And I'm like, because we keep joking about when is Tim English going to find himself, you know, as a young man. We keep expecting he'll come back from a preseason and he's, like, got his head shaved or tattoos or something. But I feel like he might be a Ben McAvoy type where he just stays looking exactly the same his whole career. It, well, I actually think that you've stumbled on something that is... Because I thought that was possibly the best game that Tim English has played for the Bulldogs. He was the difference between the teams, I, in my opinion. I just thought he played so well, particularly in those conditions for a tall person. I just thought... And maybe he's got a bit of old-school VF, VFA country footballer about him. I don't yep. mean country football in the traditional sort of tough and taboos way, but just in the you're just a dude who is from the country, so never really thinks about what his haircut looks like. You know, those country guys who are just like, yeah, I get my haircut, it costs $15, yeah. and I've had it done the same since my mum used to do it. There's that sort of just like, I'm unaffected by fashion in any way sort yeah. of look. But I think if you examine Tim English's hair closely, he has modernised it slightly. So in the old days, it used to be very Mark Humphreys, you know, was the example we had. And now it definitely is cut shorter and higher and tighter up the top. It's still very okay. Mark Humphreys up the top, but there's it's definitely styled. a sort of like shorter, sharper style up the sides. Well, Rob Harvey famously had the same haircut for his entire career, mm. but it was just different lengths of the same haircut. So occasionally there would be, it was a short back and sides essentially, but occasionally there'd be a bit more of a fringe or a bit less of a fringe. But then there's some people... Like Tim English and Trent Cotchin, Trent Cotchin with his famous Just Cuts haircut, they have the type of hair that I don't know you can style too much. It's kind of bristly, you know what I mean? Like I think for Trent Cotchin to get a new style, he'd have to grow it like right out and, and get a ponytail or something. Do you think that Tim English could pull off the ponytail? Could he Brody Grundy it? Like, I mean, I'm talking no. about other big guys and what sort of haircuts they have. Could Tim English have like a... Chris Hemsworth meets oh. Brody Grundy style sort of long flowing blonde ponytail. I don't know anything about Tim English, but I think he's a dork. Yeah. And I just don't know <laughs> that he could pull it off. You know, like Brody Grundy seems cool. Like I could see Brody Grundy doing yoga on the beach, you know, and surfing and stuff. And I reckon, you know, he'd be a bit like, you know, like Nat Fife. You go around to his place and there's like a couple surfboards on the wall. You know, he probably has like, he probably has like, 
you know, group sex, but in a real cool, modern, consensual kind of way, you know, because he's just like, he's just in touch with his spirit and it's about love and connection and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Team English strikes me as a real meat and potatoes kind of guy. A real straight up and down, you can set your watch to that haircut kind of dude. He doesn't strike me as bohemian in the slightest. No, I don't actually know anything about Tim English, but just by looking at him, I've actually brought up a picture of him and I'm looking at his hair and it does just look like, you know what his hair looks like? That he combs it and it should be brushed. Like he's got this sort of hair <laughs> that, that only mean? should be brushed and he definitely combs it. I mean, well, I'm glad we're, we're, we're ticking off the two guys, one cup uh, tropes. Uh, we're doing a five minute discussion around haircuts, but it is fascinating because I think that does it change how are we underestimating Tim English because he looks so nondescript at the moment? Like, do you think he would get more attention if he had a Brody Gun Grundy hairstyle or like a samurai top knot or something like that? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that he he's, does go what is a little he, third under year, the radar. Fourth year, his fourth uh, year, right? Fourth year. I'm gonna. I'm trying to find like a, a news article or something about Tim English. Obviously, there's a lot of um, reports about uh, you know this previous weekend and how well he played uh but i want to see if i can actually just find something where we might actually be able to find out some more information about him because i don't really well, well the one thing we do know is well, as we've established his father is john english yeah uh, of course the late yeah. john english <laughs> uh, no I, mean, the, I don't think anyone's been interested in finding anything out about tim tim english well, uh, there is a player that we do have some information on. Uh, you might recall last week we discussed the player um, that Liam Ryan took that hanger on and we couldn't think of his name. Uh, we called him Johnny McCluckcluck. Uh, well, someone was very kind enough to send us uh, Johnny McCluckcluck's player profile. Um, we should give him the credit of his actual name, which is Darcy Byrne-Jones, All-Australian in 2020 and also a John Cahill medalist. Uh, so we've got a pocket for, for the record. I believe I may have said his name was Burn Jones in oh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, before we got before we got to Harry McCluckcluck, Johnny McCluckcluck. I think I might have suggested I thought his name was Burn Jones. Now this is only a mini player profile, so don't get too excited. Okay. Very short answers here. This is on the uh, Port Adelaide website, but let's learn a bit more about human stepladder, <laughs> Darcy Burn Jones. Okay, what's his name? Uh, Darcy Burn Jones. Uh, what junior club did he play for? It's in Melbourne. It's a eastern, uh, a, a fairly upper middle class eastern suburb uh, uh, that Hawthorne. has a cinema. Close. Paran. Uh, higher in the alphabet. Close uh, to the beginning of the alphabet. Armadale. A uh, couple down. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? We, uh, we, we did a... Um, we did a, 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 a fundraiser with the Weekly Planet guys there uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know. You Camberwell. Don't know. Okay. He played for the Camberwell Sharks. Um, what's his nickname? And it's something that uh, you'd expect that maybe um, uh, 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 Joe Danaher would be called from time to time. Uh, um, Joe Danaher would be called from yeah. time to time. Well, it's something that we would call Joe Danaher from time to time. Probably. Oh, Pinhead. His Pinhead. nickname is Pinhead. <laughs> but I'm looking at this photo of him. He's like, he looks quite well proportioned to me. And I might have to, hang on, let's take a look at some other photos. With I mean, he has Jones. big hair. Is his big hair offsetting the fact that he has a pinhead? He doesn't look pinhead at all to me. He's got a long neck. I think that makes the head look smaller. He's got a, no, he doesn't have a, no. 
He has a long neck. He should be called Giraffe. That should be his nickname. Or uh, like, I, you know, um, some sort of long neck, like, you know, some sort of alcohol, some sort of beer. That would be a nickname oh, in a yeah. club if you have a long yeah, neck, right. surely. Long neck, um, Melbourne Bitter, um, Bittersweet Symphony, Verve, <laughs> uh, Champagne, Bubbles. His nickname is Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. Stop. Uh, okay. Well, what is his favorite travel destination? Um, international, but feels like it's part of his travel. Uh, Bali. New Zealand. Oh. <laughs> Uh, what is his worst habit? Um, his worst habit is... Fairly is it like common a, bad habit. Is it a football habit or a personal no, habit? No, personal habit. I um, think you had this issue at one point. Oh, okay. Um, biting fingernails. Biting fingernails. Uh, his favorite food, which is not... I wouldn't class this as a food. I'd class it as a treat. Oh, chocolate. Yeah, what kind? What brand? Uh, Cadbury Caramel nope. Milk. No, no. Um, Lint. Um, Hague's is in it. In, he's in South Australia, so some sort of. I'll Hague's make it chocolate. easier. You can choose between two candy-covered chocolates. Which one is it? Uh, clinkers. <laughs> <laughs> That's not candy-covered. They're chocolate-covered candy. Oh, sorry. You're sorry, bloody I idiot. had it round the wrong way. Classic reversal. M and M's. M and M's. Um, what does Ken Hinckley often say? So it's a four-word phrase that Ken Hinckley gives to the players. Now, it's a variation on a very, uh, a very famous catchphrase of, a, of an American comedian who plays big in the Rust Belt, which is a very uh, long... Uh, get it done, boys. Close. Get the job done. That okay. was too much information, right? It's not a bad clue, though. I mean, I don't think that everybody would have got that clue, but I got that clue. Yeah. Uh, who's his most underrated teammate? Um, someone I, I would know. Um, I mean, I heard, I've heard the name, but uh, I thought this guy was a commentator, actually. Tom Clury. <laughs> yeah, no, I never would have got that. Uh, what is his greatest moment in football? <laughs> this is a weird... I've never heard it phrased like this before. Um, I was the stepladder to the mark of the year <laughs> in 2021. <laughs> Forget the All-Australian. Um <laughs> Um, his greatest moment in football. So it's it's a, it's a fairly typical uh, response for what people claim is their favourite football memory. Uh, their first game or winning a premiership as a kid. Winning a premiership as a kid. Okay, that'll do. <laughs> but he phrases it, and I've never heard this before, and it feels wrong. Underage grand final. Oh, an underage grand final. <laughs> but don't yeah. you think? Because yeah. underage sort of is a qualifier that mm. suggests it's wrong. It's underage. Mm. It does not meet the age requirements to say <laughs> you're an underage. <laughs> He immediately, he originally filled it in as barely legal football <laughs> tournament. <laughs> no, 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 you, you've missed. That's his, his favourite accolade was his barely legal brown line. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was almost tempted to Google underage grand final, but I'm like, nah, I'll definitely get red flagged. No, particularly, <laughs> okay. like, yeah, at St Kilda, you don't want to Google underage. <laughs> <laughs> Which teammate? would pick themselves in an AFL fantasy competition. Oh, okay. So this is somebody who's a big he fan looked, of their own work. Is it one of the yeah. big three young people? No. He he was a young gun at one point. He looks like a real rooster. It doesn't surprise you that this guy probably rates himself. Bit of, bit of body art. 
a bit of alliteration. Robbie Gray, but not Robbie Gray. Um, no, a bit of alliteration going on with the name. I believe he was a high uh, draft pick. Let me just double, double check that. He's one of those okay. port guys who seems to have been around for ages. I'm pretty sure he was like a top five draft pick. Hasn't really ascended to that height, but is a good serviceable player. And uh, mm. yeah, it's a, his name is an alliteration. Uh, well, it's not a Leah Leah because he is not close there. though. That's in that's in the same. You're close. Um, uh. Uh, uh, if you if 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 a heart had a baby, you might call it a. If a heart, uh, if a heart had a baby, that's a great. This is the clue. worst clue I've ever given. I love that. Okay. If a heart had a baby, so uh, baby heart, um, uh, <laughs> a, a little valve. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'll give you the surname Hartlett. Oh, Hamish Hartlett. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? A baby heart, a Hartlett. I mean, I guess that's a clue that works in retrospect, but it's not a clue that is helpful in any way to the person trying to guess. Uh, Yeah, he was taken number four in the 2008 draft. How many games do you reckon Hamish Hartlett's played? 140. 181. How many goals do you think he's kicked? Uh, 140. 75. That seems like a low number of games from 2009 to now. That's a... 12 years and he's only played 181 games. Well, you can play up to 20 games a year. So oh no, I guess that's all right. He's just played just under 200. And if you played every game would have been just over 200. So I'll take it back. Amy Charlotte, you've, you've had a good career, mate. Well done. <laughs> um, who has the worst dress sense? This kind of doesn't surprise me either. This is a dude that I often confuse. There's like three, there's three Port Adelaide players that I confuse. There's, um, uh, 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 Ebert, Gray, and this dude, Travis Boak. No, he's kind of got more of that gray build. He's uh, easy to forget about, but then you're like, oh yeah, he's a good player. Hmm. Plays in the middle, bit of a bull. Okay. Ollie Wines. Ollie Wines. I could see him having bad dress sense. He's got it. I mean, when let's get back on haircuts for a second. Ollie Wines has he changed his haircut once in the entire history of Port Adelaide? Let me have a look. The other thing about Ollie Wines that I will say is that he loves water skiing. Like, you know, famously injured himself water skiing. And I've never met anybody who both loves water skiing and has good fashion sense. I feel like they, those two things are completely like that. You either decide at one point I'm going to get into water skiing or I'm going to get interested in how I look. Yeah. Just, just do me a favor, Will. You got your computer there. Just yeah. type in Ollie Wines into the Google image mm-hmm. search. And you tell me this selection of photos, I'm looking at close to maybe a hundred photos here. I can see one in which his haircut is different. And I'm assuming these have been taken over like his 11 year career, but that's the same haircut the whole time he's been playing football. Okay. Images. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. No, he's, um, has not changed his haircut once. Not ha- No. And that does not surprise me in any way. That is absolutely right. He will never change his haircut. He's your kind of your new Robert Harvey, I reckon. Ollie, Ollie Wines. You know what I think of Ollie Wines is big thighs. Like he's just got those big, like inside midfielder thighs, just chunky, chunky, like big hips, big thighs. You know what big thighs are good for, Charlie? <laughs> Underage grand finals. <laughs> water skiing. <laughs> right. I was going to say water skiing. 
Um, okay. <laughs> Teammate you'd hate to room with on away trips and why? Um, this is someone whose surname I'm assuming gave him the most obvious nickname possible. Um, uh, every time I hear him, com the commentators talk about him, I keep waiting for them to... To to to, to oh, I'm not helping you at all. These um, are the most cryptic clues that you've ever given in your entire life. Okay, this player, his surname is also uh, uh, part of the title of a very famous progressive rock album from the seventies. I think it's I think it's prog. <laughs> that was your easier clue. That was your well, easier. I don't clue? even know if it's clues. Hang his on. surname is is his last name Moon. <laughs> no. Um, okay. Um, okay. So, is it prog rock? No, it's right. It's a live album. It's a live album by an English musician, and it was Great. huge. In well, it was 76. good that your completely obscure clue was also fucking wrong. Frampton comes alive. His name is Frampton. <laughs> yes, you got it. Awesome. Uh, what's his first name? Uh, Peter Frampton. No, Billy Frampton. Uh, why? <laughs> Why does he? Why would he not want to room with him? Because Pretty... he constantly plays the album Frampton Comes Alive at but all times. Have you heard a commentator yet say Frampton Comes Alive in the forward line or anything like that? I keep waiting for it, but it hasn't happened yet. I mean, you would think it is the most obvious place to go with Frampton as a reference. In fact, the only place to go, not just the most obvious, but tell me what your second best Frampton reference is. Yeah, I don't know. Are there any other Frampton references? Is there a sitcom no. called The Framptons? No. <laughs> uh, so why does he hate? Would he hate to share a room with uh, Peter Billy Frampton? He's or messy. Billy Peter Frampton. He stinks. He bloody stinks. I was going to go with his stinks, and then I thought that was too harsh. But apparently, <laughs> stinky Frampton. A teammate with the best set shot. I've never heard of this guy. It's a kind of generic name uh first name is certainly how about this just gets the first name the last name's marshall what's his first name rowan <laughs> do you know who todd marshall is uh i've heard of him uh who has his who's the teammate with the worst rig oh okay this is good um is it is it a player i will have heard of it is one of the young, yes. younger players i mean if you don't know who this guy is by now <laughs> you must have amnesia uh, if I don't know who this guy is by now, yeah, yeah, uh, Hamish Hartlow, uh, Billy, <laughs> Billy, Peter Frampton. Oh no, stinky, stinky with no a shit rig. rig. It's the it's the two things you don't want, Will. <laughs> oh my god, he's fucking burnt him. Stinks and his shit rig. Okay, uh, what's his favorite movie? Um, okay, stars cool. someone who is a regular fixture on our other podcast, Tofop, which you can find at tofop.com along with other great podcasts, including Willosophy and uh, Fofop. Happy Gilmore. Bang. Nailed it. You nailed it like Todd Marshall in front of the big sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I came alive like Billy Frampton, the stinky <laughs> no-rig motherfucker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, what's his hidden talent? Okay. So this is an obscure clue. Did you ever watch Neighbours in the first season it was on TV? <laughs> oh, my God. Who are you? No, we didn't have um, the network that had Neighbours. In fact, I remember oh, going to my okay. friend Peter Shepard's house when uh, Kylie and Jason got married to watch that episode because we didn't get Neighbours where we lived. Okay. 
Um, all right. Have you ever seen the film Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> oh, my God. I, w- I would actually love a TV quiz show where you came up with the fuck Tom Gleason's hard quiz. This is the fucking hard quiz. Charlie will be like, do you remember 70s prog rock album? And anyway, Rodney Dangerfield's back to school. I mean, I remember the premise of it. Rodney Dangerfield goes back to school. Yeah, but do you remember what the competitive element of that was? There was a sporting contest that happens in back to school. That is, that is Darcy Byrne Jones's hidden talent. Oh, for fuck's sake, no. I have no idea. What is it? <laughs> Platform diving. Oh, my God. And just to explain the Neighbours reference, in the very first season of Neighbours, um, uh, 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 Shane, played by Peter O'Brien, uh, in the opening episode, he was in a car accident and he was a champion diver and the doctor said he could never dive again. And then halfway through the season, they, they the Ramsey Street kids are down in the pool and they look up to the tower and they see Shane doing a handstand on the top of the diving tower. And they're like, what's he going to do? The doctor said he couldn't dive. And that was the cliffhanger because it's like he lets go of the, he jumps off the tower and you didn't know if he was going to be injured or not. Turns out he was fine. And it's, the good news is that since that happened 30 years ago, there's been no more relevant references to diving that you could have brought up in <laughs> any fucking way. All right, you give me a platform diving reference that would be easy to get. Matthew Mitchum. Don't know what that is or who that is. He was the... Australian Olympic Olympian who won a gold medal in the platform fucking diving, you idiot. <laughs> Do you have any pets and what are their names? Uh, he has a dog and its name is... <laughs> Billy Frampton. Billy <laughs> Frampton because it fucking stinks and it's got a terrible rig. <laughs> uh, no, he has no animals. What are his passions and interests outside of footy? Um, one of them is very common for a young man and Basketball. the other one is very common for a footballer. No, um, one of them is like an indoors kind of recreational, you know, video games, video games, video games, PlayStation four. And the other thing is a very common side gig for, for a footballer. Golf. Mm, mm. No, it's a, it is a sport. It is a sport, but, uh, it's more of a elite sport or elitist a- sport. An elitist sport. So when polo. Foot- he loves the polo, <laughs> he loves the portsy polo. Footballers love to invest in pubs and uh, racehorses. Racehorses. He's a horse trainer. And what would he be doing if he wasn't an AFL footballer? Bit training, of a bit of a training horses. No, <laughs> this is a bit of a jokey answer. It has to do with cricket. But if you can guess uh, what his role would be. Uh, so it's not a cricketer or even a cricket administrator. It's someone who was involved with the uh, with with a game of cricket, maybe before the first ball was bowled. He'd be a uh, oh, a cricket groundsman, cricket oval, a curator. curator. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't know if that's a joke or not. Feels like it's a joke, but maybe it's not. Maybe he actually genuinely loves gardening. I mean, it's, it's actually I had a mate who was a cricket ground curator and. I always envied his work because you have this beautiful patch of land that it's just a responsibility to get right. And, you know, you kind of every day you just go out there and you sort of work with the conditions to make this thing that people can then play a game on. I think there is some great pride in being a cricket curator to the point where famously they always have issues with the if you want to hear who Lee Matthews hated the most in the game of AFL, it was the curator at the the Gabba, Gabba because yeah. there would be constantly battles between the AFL and the Gabba b- because he just did not want people to run on his cricket pitch, which was troublesome for a game where you have to run through the middle of the ground. 
what whatever happened to remember it was just like an ongoing thing about um uh, a marvel stadium what used to be telstra dome about the fact that they had built it on a concrete slab and that the grass was like dying and, and was slipping like carpet you don't hear that anymore did they address that did they smash up the concrete base or something and just put like soil under there how come we don't hear people complaining about the surface anymore i think a year firstly the afl have got it back under their control so i think they have more right like ownership over being able to be protective of it there was no big concerts that came out last year because often that's the problem like you know u2's been there and then the it's all been damaged by kind of getting it ready for a concert last year because no one was touring there was no big concert so they had a whole year to get the surface right plus um it was built of course on an indian burial ground <laughs> and they have Very dug good. up and relocated all those <laughs> Uh, Will, we've come to that time of the show where we uh, answer some questions. Uh, if you want to send us a message, you can at, at Two Guys One Cup AFL on Twitter. You can also follow us on Instagram at Two Guys One Cup AFL on Instagram. The Instagram we should uh, have still... a little shout out to Ben Cunnington, by the way, who obviously oh, yeah. took got his weeks. one week to the tribunal and uh, got off. Uh, yeah. He obviously he actually took it to the, to the tribunal to see if he could get two weeks off <laughs> playing for North Melbourne, but turns out he'll be back this week. Do you think that there was any, like, if you were an administrator, you're going to the tribunal, so he gets to see your face. I imagine even in the era of COVID, he gets to look his jury in the eye. Do you think that has any factor in them deciding whether or not they're going to double down or just uh, mm. uh, uh, eradicate the uh, the penalty? Yeah, yeah, I reckon uh, Cunningham yeah, just reckon... walks in and they just go, <laughs> are you cleared? You know, forget about it. It's He's fine, like, don't worry about it. You know what I like? Fishing. Yeah, <laughs> I sleep out there. Speaking of sleeping with the fishes. Anyway, you guys can make whatever decision you want to make, but he's got the head of the tribunal in a headlock just punching him in the guts. <laughs> just sits there just cracking his knuckles as they <laughs> hand him down the verdict. Uh, yeah, so if you want to message us, you can at Two Guys One Cup AFL at Instagram and Twitter. The Instagram page is going great. It's a great place to be on a Thursday afternoon because that's when we, we give our tips. We'll be doing it again tomorrow afternoon. So just check the Instagram in the morning. We'll give you a time about when we're going to do the tips. Generally, late in the afternoon. Depends when Will and I can, can hook it up. Uh, but for now, we have a question. This is from Liam Will. Which AFL player could pay the next Bond villain? My money is on Brody Majacek. I mean, he sounds like a Bond villain. Like, I just mm. think the name Brody Majacek, if like Bond was, it, we think it's Majacek, you'd be like, yeah, fucking Majacek. Like, yeah. you know what? Majacek's less the Bond villain and Majacek's the guy who you thought was on your side, but ends up betraying you. He's your undercover, you know, like mole. That's your Majacek, I think. You're like, we've yeah. got to get Majacek in on this. Majacek was at all these scenes. Hang on. I think Majacek's the mole. I mean, Majacek is a cool enough name that you could just be known as Majacek. You know what I mean? Like in that sense of being a Bond villain, like Blofeld. I mean, I'm sure Blofeld has a first name, but he's just Blofeld. And I think Majacek works in, in that regard. Uh, Dane says, if you guys had a two versus two fight against any <laughs> current AFL players, who would you want to fight and why would one of them be Jack Lukosius? Oh, well, Jack um, Lukosius, absolutely. And of course, uh, for me, it'd be um, Billy Frampton because he has got a shit rig. <laughs> shit rig. But he stinks. And he he stinks. stinks. You'd be washing your fists for weeks. I mean, like, who would we have a possible chance against? I mean, you'd have to pick two small players. So, Caleb Daniel. No, did least. you see Caleb Daniel body flip an actual Mate. giant over onto his back? 
He would never get near us. I'd just hold my head, my hand on his head like a big brother, and he'd just be <laughs> swinging those little arms, trying to get around. We would never get near me. Him and Jack Loney, I reckon we could take. Just bang their heads together, <laughs> give them noogies and typewriters. Uh, Tim wants to know: Are West Coast screwed because they're going up against a backs against the wall Collingwood team again? I feel like I said earlier in the show. This feels different to your regulation backs against the wall because it's so been so widely discussed that this is the kind of game that Collingwood normally wins that negates their backs against the wall advantage. So I don't think the Eagles are in trouble. I think they'll bounce back and they'll bounce back well. Yeah, I think the Eagles just that. I mean, you know, every every team's going to have a couple of dud quarters. They had a couple of dud quarters, but I think they are going to be fine again next week. Lee wants to know, uh, Taylor Walker went from ironic mullet to an ironic mustache, mm-hmm. but he has left the mustache for such a long time. Can we now officially say he has a shit mustache? I like the stash. I'm a big fan of the stash. I'm a big fan of the mullet. I like the look of AFL players at the moment. Sure. I mean, if it's my team and I want the players to look sensible and start kicking goals again, get rid of the mullet. But no, I like it. I think I think a Tex Walker has a bit of an old-fashioned... Like if you saw a photo, a black and white photo of Tex Walker and they, you were told he was a World War II fighter pilot, you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I could see him with that haircut, Clark Gable-esque mo. Oh, well, I mean, he does ride to every game on a penny farthing. So <laughs> that's, they actually have in the Adelaide rooms, instead of an exercise bike for Tex, on the sidelines, he sometimes is on a penny farthing. Chris wants to know, have the Bulldogs built an illegal underground pipeline to Arden Street and are now draining all of North's shin bonus spirit? I mean, they're playing like it. The Bulldogs, well, the Bulldogs have always had, you're the Scraggers. So you're not a million miles divorced from the shin bonus spirit. You maybe don't have the reputation, but the Bulldogs have always had a bit of a reputation for toughing it out, haven't they? Yeah, and I think, uh, obviously, this is our Ballarat plan. You know, we, we, we pop down to Ballarat. I bet there's some supplies down there, country area. Nobody else is really looking at it, you know. We go you're looking at some backyard operations. Supplies. Exactly. You go to a few bikies, they've got a bathtub in the shed, they're making up some of their own (laughs) shin bone and spirit. You've got to be careful, mate. They cut it with all kinds of shit. You want the pure stuff. That's the problem. That is if you can't get the pure shin bone. Mork wants to know if Bailey Fritch has the best haircut in the AFL. He looks like he gets a fresh do every week. I don't really know what Bailey Fritch's haircut looks like. Check this out. How do I spell it? He plays in Melbourne, right? Bailey. Tell you what. Google Images is getting a workout today. Here we go. Bailey Fritch. Um, uh, yeah, it looks pretty. It's like, you know what? It's a bit like what you describe in Nick Revolt. It's quite sharp. I don't know if it's the best doing the AFL. It looks pretty pedestrian, if you ask me. I've got to be honest with you. It's, yeah, it's sharp, but is it, is it an interesting the haircut? In the, AFL. the only thing I will say is there's a lot of pictures of him as a younger dude and i will say he used to have a very buffy nondescript haircut i would say if you're looking at improvement in haircuts you can see a clear improvement in bailey fritch's haircut over the years like this is a guy who's come in with a kid's haircut into the afl system and he's turned himself into a man in the afl system through his haircut could tim john english get that haircut Mm. that would work for him i could see that well, I mean, I think this is a little what Tim English has gone for. Like, I feel like oh, this is right. the direction he's trying to go in. I just feel like he does not have... Bailey Fritch clearly has the hair to pull it off. I'm not sure if Tim English does. Will, uh, this is from Scroochie McJuice. <laughs> Scoochie McJuice. Uh, will Mason Cox be an All-Australian this year? Mate, will bloody 
fucking Mason Cox play out the year. Who knows what's going on at Collingwood? Feels like I a- mean, firstly, surely he's ineligible to be an All-Australian. Is he an Australian? <laughs> is, he, is he an Australian citizen? I don't want wasn't. people coming over to this country taking All-Australian positions from people who are Australian citizens. Didn't Leroy Loggins play in the Olympics for Australia? He, uh, Brisbane Bullets uh, legend Leroy Loggins? Uh, look, possibly. Look, it's fine <laughs> if it's games that we weren't very good at, like, originally. I'm fine yeah, with that. Right. Like, clearly, soccer. We wouldn't have had a team in soccer for about 50 years if we couldn't import some people who couldn't get a game in their own country to come over <laughs> and play for us. But this is our sport. Uh, Angus wants to know, will the fact that Ben Cunnington got off his suspension cause a rift between him and Fife, who has been a victim mm-hmm. of the bump? No, this is the this is just makes the relationship even better. This is what you want in a buddy cop comedy. They're polar opposites. Everything that that Ben Cunnington does should annoy and baffle Nat Fife. That's how you keep the juice going. Yeah, one's a bumper, one's a bump bumpy. It's opposites attract. <laughs> we got together like, like Nat Fife and Ben Cunnington. No, that's too many syllables. Okay, Jeff. I'm a West Coast fan who attended the Saints game. Congrats, Charlie. After throwing away a 33-point lead and conceding eight on the bounce and copping stick from the home fans, I don't think I've ever left a game feeling more down. Got any games yourself that have left you utterly gutted? Uh, which grand final would you like me to talk about? Um, yeah. It's, it's, I, it's funny, my football experience, because most of it, like is Adelaide disappointing me. That's that's pretty much what it is. I have a couple of really sharp, horrible memories against Adelaide. But mm. other than that, the rest of the disappointment sort of blurs into a general disappointment <laughs> where there's one beautiful highlight for four weeks in 2016 and then generally disappointing and two really, really disappointing moments against Adelaide. It's hard to distinguish any of the joy from the just general malaise of your yeah. regular life. <laughs> I mean, I've told this story before, but that... Uh, prelim that you and I uh, attended when my sister organized tickets for us watching you trudge off to your hotel from the MCG my sister was the one who commented she was like oh my god you look so <laughs> depressed and you did your shoulders were hunched you were just you just you look you looked miserable and that was that was a, a pretty depressing sad sight <laughs> uh, okay Seamus wants to know would you guys consider doing an episode recap of making their mark i would definitely listen yeah that's a great idea i uh, you know we're not in the same place at the moment we'd have to sort of find the time to do it but that's definitely something we could look at the great thing about making their mark too is it's not like we could sort of do it as we get to it we wouldn't have to do it sort of sequentially i just think you know when we find time if people are interested uh in bonus episodes we haven't talked about it much actually just take a little pause uh but we have a patreon site for our podcast network which if you're unaware two guys one cup is just one show in 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 a podcast network that's at tofop.com and the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash tofop um a lot of our supporters for uh, shows like philosophy and tofop um uh, what enables us to do the show as regularly as we as we do and if you want more bonus content then the best way to to do ensure that is to support the show so if you listen to this and you're not subscribed to patreon and you've got a dollar to spare and you'd like more uh, footy adjacent chat then that's the best way to encourage us to do it absolutely and yeah the uh, tofops there fofops there which charlie is now doing regular episodes with guest scott dooley who you will have heard on charlie's my club series uh, is on the latest episode of Fofop. There is uh, new Willosophy episodes going up all the time. 
Um, and so, yeah, we would love if you go and check out the other stuff that we have. And also, just while we're doing plugs, this is my final week of being in Melbourne for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So if you want to come and see We're Legal, uh, there are a few more nights of that. And then on Saturday night at 10.30 at the Comedy Theatre, I'm going to do something that will be super fun. Uh, it's a improvised stand-up comedy show. So I'll, I'll reflect a bit on the last year and you know tell some stories about that. But I talk to the audience. I make up a show on the spot. And it's always incredibly fun i've never done it in melbourne before i'm going to do it on the last saturday night at the comedy festival at 10 30 at night and i reckon it might just be a really fun way to say goodbye to the comedy festival but it does mean charlie that i will be back up your way next week which means that if we do want to do a making their market bonus episode we could probably squeeze one in next week sweet excellent great uh matt uh, wants to know what should carlton change their theme song to so uh, have you been keeping up on that now? There's been a call for, for Carlton to change their song because of the origins of it. If they were to change it to something, did you not know this? No. So what's oh, the story? Right. Well, because the song that the Carlton theme song is based on has racist origins in the deep south of the US. And so there have been some activists who have uh, requested that Carlton change the song. Uh, if they were to change it, what do you think they could change it to? Is there an existing song that uses the word blue or blues? Yeah, I mean, there's heaps of 100%. That, what, I can't remember what the name of the act was, but it was that song Blue. I'm blue, ba ba be ba 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 Do you remember that song? <laughs> <laughs> From that, no. Um, blue, the song. What was that song? Like, um, oh, all right, I'm going to Google it. Uh, it was by... Where is it? Oh, no. Eiffel 65. Eiffel it, 65? Yeah. This song is called Blue Da Ba D. Um, and I'll just play a little bit and see if you can hear. Oh, hang on. No, that's an advertisement. I'll uh, play a little bit for you in a minute and see if you can hear it and see if you can remember. Um, actually, you know what the worst thing is? Is when you get a an advertisement during this and it's about AFL football and I'm like, fuck, the computer really is listening to us. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Can you hear that? No, because you got your headphones uh, plugged in. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Hang up, wait. I'll... Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. So that could be the Carlton song. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. I could totally I could totally see that. And 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 the great thing about it is when it has that break, you know, the beat drops, the Gatorade shower yep. starts. That's that right? So I'm going to yeah, just 100%. Google the lyrics because the, the lyrics came up then. And I actually think, because you were like, it needs to be a song that um, obviously has the word blue, blue in it. I didn't realize how often this song, Blue, Da Bardi, uh, by Eiffel 65, had blue in it. But imagine if Carlton, just at the end of the games, got in their circle after a victory and then somebody comes in because there's a bit of a spoken word bit at the start. So maybe that's Patrick Cripps or maybe they like nominate somebody every week like who does a little intro. Yo, listen up. Here's a story about a little guy that lives in a blue world and all day and night and everything he sees is just blue like him inside and out. This works. 
for the Blues. Blue, his house with a blue little window and a blue Corvette and everything is blue for him and himself and everyone around because he ain't got nobody to listen to. I'm blue. <laughs> That's the bit. That's the bit that will really challenge the players, especially if they've got the mouth guards still in. Blah, 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 blah. I'm blue. Da, ba, dee, ba, ba, da. I don't know. It actually so, is quite catchy though. Right. Because you've got the da 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 at the moment, but if you just change that to yeah. a boo, blah, blah, da, 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 blah, da, blah, da. Okay. I think that's enough for this week. Uh, two guys, one cup. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Don't forget our tips go up on Instagram live tomorrow afternoon. Just check our story uh, tomorrow morning to find out what time that'll be. But for now, play on Not 15. Ball.